Welcome to Candidate Conversations, a podcast where we talk to candidates and elected officials about life, family, careers, and how they got involved in politics and decided to run for office. I'm your host, Andy Cole, and I'm joined today by our special co-host, Lexi Bramer, and our guest, Tennessee State Representative from District 79, Brock Martin. Um, thank you all for joining us and being here. Um, we'll just start, um, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Lexi? Go first, since you're the ghost. Oh, I'm Lexi Bramer. I serve as the Tennessee Young Republicans National Committee woman. Um, grew up in Minnesota, but came to Tennessee as quickly as I could. Been here five years uh, and been involved in Tennessee politics since I got here in 2018. Awesome. I, I'm Brock Martin. I'm House District 79 State Rep. I want to thank Andy for allowing me to come on today. This is a great opportunity for young Republicans to start seeing others that are in the positions or stepping forward to encourage maybe more to do the same. Um, my passion is service and helping others. That's really how I got in this position where I'm sitting today. And I'm excited to get to speak more about what's going on. Great. So tell us a little bit about your district, your family roots in West Tennessee and, you know, just kind of what made you want to do this? Yeah, man. Um, a cool fact. So, you know, like everybody runs for office is like a 20th generation Tennessean. So when we were running, I started doing research because like, man, I've, my family hasn't been here that long, I don't think. So I started doing research and it turns out that I'm a seventh generation Tennessean and not just that, seventh generation from District 79, which was even cooler. Because I grew up in Benton County, which is the next county over. I went to high school there. My parents were both school teachers. But my family heritage actually started in the 1800s in Gibson, in Gibson and Carroll County, which is part of the districts that I serve. Um, so that was super cool to learn that on the campaign trail. We learned that probably too late for Lexi to use it on mailer, but we're probably going to use it on the next one because it was it's a good little tidbit of information that helped uh, when I was out campaigning early on in this process. But what got me into it was, as truthfully, like I said earlier, I have a passion for serving. Um, chiropractic is my profession. My wife and I own a business there in Huntingdon. And one thing we have done and consistently done is continue to give back to our community. And as we've done that, more opportunities and doors have opened. And then th something like this politically, which was never really in my goal or vision, became a reality when, you know, God opens doors and you have to step through and, um, you never know where you're going to end up. So here we are sitting in Nashville on a Monday morning talking to young Republicans to encourage more young Republicans to get involved, all because I was willing and listening to, uh, you know, God's will for me and stepped out and put myself out of my comfort zone for sure. Yeah, so fun fact, actually, a lot of my family, my dad's extended family actually lives in your district. There you um, go. My, my dad's family is all from Buena Vista. Perfect. See, that is right yeah. in the heart of here in Carroll County. So yeah, yeah. So Beauty. I've got I've you're in Carroll County. You're from Buny. Yep, yep. So I've got some ties into your district as well. But um tell us a little bit about your family, how it's been, you know, so far just balancing family life and serving in the legislature yeah. and campaigning and all of that with with having a wife and having a family. How has that been? Absolutely. So when I was about a year ago or a little over a year ago, Curtis Hofford, who was the current rep of the seat, was getting to retire. And he came and sat down with me and asked if I'd be interested in it first or, you know, looking for people to be interested. And I was like, absolutely not. Um, we have a growing business, thriving business in a position where we're looking to expand. 
And I was like, you know, we'll pray about it, but that's not my timing, but let's find some people that might fit this mold. And so we prayed about it and I went home and Krista, uh, my wife, she looked at me and she said, I can't think of anybody better for this role than you. And one thing that Curtis Hofford told us when we were discussing it with him is you better make sure your first off, your wife is on board completely. And that's first and foremost. So when she said that, that kind of opened the door and got us ready to get moving. Um, we have a six-year-old, so still is in kindergarten. So that was another big area that I was focused on because, you know, I knew there'd be a sacrifice if we did this. So Chris and I talked a lot about it. And then the pros of what could come out for Steele's future was bigger than the current moment. So we started thinking, you know, stuff we're going to do today is going to impact him in 20 or 30 years. And to me, that was a big sacrifice, but also a big opportunity to make sure that future generation has what we have here in Tennessee now, but even better for him moving forward. So that that really was the deciding factor that got me over the edge was Krista's confidence and then still being that why of he's the purpose. He's why I should be doing this. You know, um, as a small business owner, you do not make money up here. So I'm losing money to come serve. And that's why you have to have a bigger why than if it was just about me, I'd be still in Huntington treating patients every day. So, you know, that that gives me that that why of showing up every day to work in this environment is, is that generation of steel and our kids and grandkids future. Rock, what was it like getting sworn in and having both steel and Krista, your family there supporting you? Was uh, that kind of like the, that whole. Yeah. You know, moment? Every, time, every time I cross that threshold, I, I still get chill bumps and I will hopefully for the forever when I'm here. But, you know, that was the big thing because all summer still doesn't know what I do up here. He thinks I'm a button pusher. So that was his whole thing was dad's going to be pushing buttons all the time. So he'd go and tell all of his kids, all of his friends in school that my dad's going to be the button pusher. Um, but to be sworn in on the floor that day um, with Krista there and still being able to sit there. There's some awesome pictures that are around that show still that day being on the floor with me. And it just kind of came full circle. You know, I looked up in the audience. My parents were up there. My good friend, Mayor Joseph Butler, who's another great young Republican, was sitting up there. And I just started thinking all those ideas of all that time you put into it was because of those people helped allow me get to where I am today and in that moment. So it really was special and cool to see. And then still was drawing pictures of Cameron Sexton. I've got a picture in the office that I'm going to treasure forever of uh, Cameron, which is going to be fantastic to have him. Uh, you know, look back on life and realize, hey, that was a kind of a cool moment to be in that that presence and in that opportunity for him. Yeah, so you've talked about kind of your career outside of politics, treating patients, all that. How, you know, for people who are, you know, have those careers, have those businesses, but might be looking at serving, how has that been a, you know, struggle kind of transitioning and, um, you know, kind of changing and essentially having two careers right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you truly do. You know, they say this is a part-time legislature, but to do it right, it's full-time. So I, I consider myself a full-time father, full-time dad, full-time chiropractor, full-time legislator. You know, you have to be full-time all the time and you have to become more intentional with your time. That's one thing that Krista and I talked about when we were deciding this. I knew I was going to have less time with steel, but we wanted to make sure those moments were more intentional because you realize how much time you waste in a day if you're not being intentional with it. So this required me to become more intentional with my time and more intentional in the office. And one thing we've been blessed with in Huntington over the years, we really, Chris and I started about four or five years ago to make sure that we weren't just the face of that business. So the business would run whether we were there or not. We were planning that so we could retire it one day, but now it's this opportunity presented. So God was planting a seed, you know, five, six years ago that we didn't see. 
that we now have been blessed with a business that's kind of self-sustaining where I'm not having to be the face of it all the time, but it can continue to grow and serve our community the way we intended. But then we can serve and step out in other capacities as well. You know, and that's something we have to constantly work with because, you know, on a team environment, it's culture. You got to work on the culture of your team. But then same thing up here, man, it's relationships. It's building those uh, values that you have. And then up here, I've got the same thing. My assistant here, Keely, is doing phenomenal on that aspect. So she's helping keep this organized, but you got to have a great L.A. here. You got to have a great team at home. All those parties have to be working together um, or you can't succeed at this. So it's nothing that I've done. It's more been blessed with the bright people around me. And, and that's what it takes, especially for you young people trying to get involved. I think that's a key is surrounding yourself with the right people earlier on makes all the difference because you can't do it alone. And that's one thing in politics you learn from day one. You count for one vote. You got to have all those other people voting for you. So it takes a whole army to get you to where you want to go. And um, we've just been blessed so far. So that that's a work in progress. So. So how is. Um... How is it being the only chiropractor in the state legislature? Um, there's, it's not, you know, you hear, think, or when you think of, you know, members, you think of attorneys, you think of real estate, insurance. How is it being one of the, and just also one of the few, you know, medical professionals in the legislature? That is a huge advantage. Um, it's been 40 years since we've had a chiropractor in office, which is a huge honor to be that first one since. And kind of the crazy thing that goes back the last time Huntington had a state rep was the same year that we had a chiropractor the state rep so Mayor Dale Kelly served back in the 80s here uh, 83 84 and that's the same time that um, Dr. Gill out of Memphis was serving so and then to be the chiropractor from Huntington it's kind of crazy how it all works out sometimes but um, it's such an honor man you know chiropractic we already think outside the box sometimes which allows us to see differently it's not just black and white and sometimes up here in politics it's not black and white there's that gray area and sometimes some outside thinking really comes into play in that aspect. And that's what we're able to do. But then also from a provider standpoint, it was a huge benefit because I've, I've been blessed to be on um, health and insurance committees. And you look across, most people on there are not necessarily providers or in the field every day. So we can bring in a whole different perspective of this is what's actually happening. You know, this is how it affects patient care or the quality um, or access to care. And then also cost burdens and things like that. You know, we, we see it every single day. So we have a unique perspective in that regard. Plus, I have my chiropractic table in the office. So people are wanting to come up here all the time to get treated. So I imagine this will probably be the weekend to start happening. We're starting to get in a stress mode where everything's moving faster. So everybody's been asking. So they'll be lining up soon. Your calendar, right. I think, will get fuller once. Yeah. Yes. Everybody finds out about that. Absolutely. Keely's going to be I'll big. Make sure. I'll make sure that anytime I'm up there, I'll make sure to stop by your office. <laughs> Come on in, man. Um, so outside of the office, I know you've got, you know, a kindergartner, um, a business, but what else do you do, you know, other than politics, other than yeah. that to just kind of, you know, when you're stressed, get your mind off of things or just, you know, to have fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I three things I really like as well, hanging out with, Kristen still on the weekends. We do that a lot. I'm, I'm big into triathlons. Didn't have as much time the last couple of years, but I've done a few of those Ironman races and then running is my way to get out. So I try to get out and run every, every day or every other day, get your mind off stuff. It's a great opportunity to de-stress, but then come back with good ideas and concepts. I am a big fan of coffee. So that helps tremendously on the campaign trail. 
and then also a fan of bourbon. So that's a good thing to have when you're dealing with this. But and if not that, you know, it's it's family. I try to be intentional with those time, that weekend. Uh, when I get home on Thursday till Sunday, it's Krista and Steel time. So that, that actually grounds me as well. Being around a six-year-old will ground anybody in the world anytime. You start to think you're cool and important, go hang out with a six-year-old, and they don't care anything about your world except playing in tree houses and clubhouses and hunting monsters in the backyard. You know, that really gets your mind back to what, what's important. So that, that's kind of my my thing, man. I, I'm a big believer in movement, though. So getting outside and exercising and just de-stressing that way is massive. Do you find yourself now, as Stu would say, a busy button pusher? Yeah. Getting to, do you still get to put in that time? I know going from campaign directly into being sworn in and being up in Nashville part-time, quote-unquote, as they say, um, have you still gotten to find that time to delegate for hobbies outside of being yeah. later? Yeah, it, it gets a little more challenging because the timing gets a little less. So when I'm here in session, I try to make sure I find time for those outdoor activity or running or whatever. And then on the weekends, usually I do it before he gets up. So everything, you know, you got 24 hours in a day. That's one thing I always try to remind myself is you just got to do it earlier. Got to make it a priority yeah. to do some of those things, because if not, it won't happen. Like today, I didn't work out because like, I'll do it later. It won't happen now. So when I get home tonight, I'll go to bed and it won't happen. But yeah, you just got to be more intentional. And I think that's a key when more gets put on your plate and not just becoming busy, but being more intentional with every little part of that day to you. And it, it, it can drown you very, very quickly because you get thousands of emails up here every day. Hours <laughs> at home and you got different areas. So grace of God, a lot of prayer. Prayer is always important. Yeah. A lot, a lot of reading the Bible and having him steer me helps tremendously too. I mean, that, that's what you got to constantly remind yourself that Something bigger than yourself is helping in the process and you don't have to do it all yourself. I know you said that this whole opportunity was definitely God driven and led by his providence. But what led up to Representative Holford approaching you? Like, where did you start getting involved in politics to where yeah. you think Chairman Holford was like, I'm going to go talk to Brock? Yeah, that's a good, great question, because one thing that I did early on in my profession I got involved in our chiropractic association when I first graduated, which was 11 years ago now. So at 26, 27 years old, I didn't know anything about what the association did, but I just started getting involved. And what happened was I started showing up for these days on the Hill up here um, for the chiropractic profession, sitting across the table from those guys and just learning. I asked him questions, just see what was going on. And I guess that sparked an interest in him because he kept seeing me every year, come up here and ask and watch. And I got kind of intrigued by that. And then in 16, um, I had a buddy ask me to help out with this guy named David Kustoff's campaign, who I knew nothing about. I didn't know. I, I really wasn't very tied into politics outside of lobbying Dave's on the Hill. And so I found myself at 11 o'clock at night putting signs out for this guy named David Kustoff because I had a friend in Memphis who was good buddies with him. And we built relationships through West Star leadership program that I did. And that's where it all comes full circle, man. Those relationships that you build in some of these areas of life all come back. Um, especially I, I think when God's a part of that picture, you know, um, so starting that with 16 really got me more involved in the political landscape because then I took a vested interest in who this Kustoff guy was that I was supporting and then started following him and just became obsessed with kind of how he led as an individual. I loved when I got around him, how he truly cared about his people. And then that led to the next thing. And then I helped in 18 on some campaigns and then 20 and, um, 
so that's where it all started. I think it was literally being though at 26, 27 years old, willing to step out into those arenas to learn more and serve others. Cause that's the only reason I jumped in. It's like, I got to do something for my profession first. And then it led to more opportunities. And then when Curtis was getting ready to retire, he kind of thought of some people that he thought would represent his area well. And I think that's where we got to where we are today. So I'm guessing in 2016, during that hard fought primary, you wouldn't have expected yourself in 2022 to be doing the same thing. <laughs> no, no, I didn't think in 2021 I'd be in 2022 campaigning. So that just shows you how quickly that happens. I mean, even October of 21, Chris and I were at a leadership conference and we were talking about building our next office in 22 in another town. And then November that year, Curtis calls and wants to sit down with Chris and I. So that was in a, like a two week period. We go from expanding two offices to saying, wait a minute, what about this opportunity? And, you know, it wasn't in my drive. I thought one day, 40 or 50 years old, I might step into this position or do something similar. I didn't think, I didn't know politics or state level, but something politically maybe. A lot of people in my community wanted me to be the city mayor. Um, they were like, oh, you'd be great at that because we were just so vested in the community. So then I, I talked to some people, my role models, and their first thing was, do not do city mayor. You'll make everybody angry. Your business will suffer. So I was like, perfect. That is good. They're like, state level is totally different than local. You can't make as many locals angry in your business because, you know, you're not paving a street for them or something. Picking up their trash, they will burn your house down. So. Do you think, because you said you've probably had an interest, do you think that part of what said 40, 50 years, because you were so focused on staying, growing your business, being there for steel, or do you think because in 40 years you'd have the quote unquote wisdom that you might not have and you thought maybe age was an impact? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question because I think that's some of it. We always think there's a certain age where magic years going to learn everything. So I think that's probably part of the issue. I was like, oh, you know, 45, 50, I'll be connected. I'll have finances in place. The business will be good. Um, and, but then I learned quickly, especially with this whole thing, opportunity was better than timing sometimes. The opportunity was presented at the perfect, not timing, but opportunity set. And I think that was a key component of stepping out of that comfort zone and into an area. Because I, I think that's what I kept waiting on was um, – we all do that. We're like, oh, it'll be perfect. Waiting for that perfect time. And in God's timing, there's no perfect timing. It, it's on his will and his time. And that's kind of what I saw in this environment when I stepped out. Is it was the perfect time to run for the perfect chance. Because even in our district where I'm at, Carroll County was still the smallest of the three counties. So it would still take a perfect opportunity for things to fall in place for somebody to win. And all those things happened to align that, at that timing. So it's going off of that. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, you run. You go. No, I was just I was just going to say, you know, going off of that, you know, you're talking about that you're younger um, as someone who's run for office younger too. How many times were you told you're too young or to wait your turn during that process? Um, those early days. I know Carroll County is a little different because like you said earlier, there is a young Republican mayor. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's kind of already been those younger people making those moves. But still, was it? Do you, did you get told that a lot um, in your primary early on or, you know, did that not really come up any? Uh, it wasn't as much of a deal in mine specifically, I think, because Mr. Curtis, had he, he's a lot older than I thought he was. So he had done a phenomenal job. But even he, he, the first thing he said was, we need new, younger energy in this seat. So I think he helped spur the motion and the, the conversations that, hey, I've been here 12 years. He was almost 80 years old. He's like, we need new young energy. And 
the individual I ran against was an older gentleman as well. So that worked out well in our favor because we just went with, thanks to a fantastic campaign help and team, we went with a different mindset of let's focus just on future generations, future people, um, the kids, you know, and that's where Lexi and them came in so valuable because they're like, look, we got hands up in this area. Let's don't even concentrate on your age. Let's don't, you know, bring out that component, but let's just talk about future area where people resonate with it. And so we kind of, we didn't talk about how old I was for most of it. People asked a lot. They're like, how old are you? They didn't, they didn't realize. And I think once you get past like 25, we all look 35 to 45 range. So it's you're like, what if, you don't know. Um, and then I think once I get up here, I learned that there's not a whole lot of us under 40. And I think that's because most of us keep waiting for that perfect timing. You know, we keep waiting, let's wait our turn, wait your turn. You know, a lot of people that might be telling you that are, hindering you on your opportunity if your opportunity is there so do you, other than I mean the messaging of you had a young son at home that set you apart throughout the primary what were some of the other advantages or disadvantages you felt like during the campaign when it came to grassroots to fundraising running uh, against somebody um, who ran before yeah, so I ran against a guy that's ran twice before. This was going to be his third time. Um, he had connections to all three counties, which I didn't realize when he got in that he'd lived and worked in all three. And he is like a self-made millionaire 10 times over. So he's one of the most successful people to come out of that area um, from nothing and then has built this great business. So I was like, well, this isn't going to be good because he's connected to everybody. And then here I was who people even said early on, well, you're not from here. Cause I'm wasn't from, didn't grow up and go to Carroll County school. So I heard that, you know, in some of the coffee shops, the old guys were like, well, he's not even from here. So we can't support him. The other guys from here will support him. So our goal and with the campaign team with Lexi and crew was strictly, we'll just get out, outwork people, get our message out. Um, the grassroots effort was, I listened to Curtis Hofford. He said, this district wants to be door knocked. They need to be humbly asked for votes. He said, that's what wins these things. And he'd done it for 12 years. So I was like, well, if he's won this thing for 12 years, that's got to be a good start. So we literally were boots on the ground approach all summer long, door knocking, getting out, meeting people, being at all, every uh, hog killing across the district, every fish fry, anything you could go to, um, we'd show up. And sometimes the other guys would show up, sometimes they wouldn't. But that got me out of my comfort zone because I don't like doing those things. And I've never been to a whatever towns fish fry before. So they knew why you show up, but you just get out of your comfort zone, get to know people and it's relational, you know, and that's even from the fundraising side. I'm not that guy in my office. I tell you what you need. You either do it or don't. I don't sell you on things. So when it came to fundraising, I was like, this is going to be terrible. Curtis Hofford told me how much money I would need. And I was like, there's no way that's going to happen. And then literally we exceeded that probably $20,000 from what he said we would need and I think that's all based on those relationships. You know, I started getting money and funds from people that I'd met, built relationships with 10, 15 years ago because they knew who I was as a person. They believed in what we were doing and nothing more than just those ties and relationships that you built early on. And that's why I think it's so valuable to get engaged and plugged in early because that's what happened. Some of those leadership groups I took early on opened up doors and I was getting checks from people I hadn't seen in like 10 years. They're like, we just believe in what you're doing. You're the right guy for this job. And that gives you all the confidence to keep door knocking in those 110 degree days. When Lexi's calling you and be like, how many doors you do today? And I was like, 10, I guess I'll go do 50 more. So then you get back out and keep going. I do want, because it's been a few months since the election cycle. So I'm sure everybody listening might forget um, that Tennessee's 
primaries in August. So Brock was out literally in the thick of Tennessee summer, all 150% humidity. 110, hey man, 110 degrees. So one of the coolest stories on the whole campaign trail, I was door knocking one day and I come up on this house who's in, it's Kenton. There's like 42 voters in Kenton. Nobody was going, but Brock went to Kenton because that's where Curtis Alford said, those people all show up and vote. But it was 110. It was terrible. I was sweating. And I would get to one door and I was like, I had like 15 more on my list. I was like, I don't want to do any more of these. I knock on the door and it's, I played basketball in college at Bethel. And the girls coach at the time was the guy living in that house. Who's now a preacher in Rutherford, which is a small town in our district. Um, so Larry Eddings comes out on the porch and for like 30 minutes prays with me and just talks about it. He's so excited that I'm running. And I'm sitting here. That was, I was going to quit after. I was like, I'm not doing any more houses. I'm just going to do this one more. And I go to that last house and he sits there for 20 minutes. I meet somebody that I knew years ago, prays over me. And then I finished that day, like 20 more houses when I was about to quit. You know, I was ready to go home. And, you know, I, I think that, that kind of I look back on that moment as one of the big turning points of that whole campaign. It was right July right before early voting started. But that, that reminded me again that, you know, God's in this. There's a bigger, bigger why here. And. Those relationships, again, came back to fruition when I was ready to give in. So can't stress that enough on how valuable that is. Yeah, I've been on those days um, many times knocking those doors and, you know, sweating through every piece of literature you have in your hand to the point where you can't use them anymore. And it's it's absolutely not fun at all. Um, What do you think is the best piece of advice that someone has given you, whether that's Congressman Kustoff or Representative Halford or somebody else um, when it comes to, you know, just keeping yourself, like keeping your mind together in this, you know, in this profession where it's very easy to get distracted or drawn into other things. Absolutely. I think there's about two or three things. One, the first one um, and the most important is my first most important two constituents are Krista and Steele. So end of the day, when one of them says, hey, I'm tired of you doing this, I'm done, I'm heading home and it's good. But those are my first two most important constituents that I talk to and deal with. Another great piece of advice is that your constituents are why you're here. You vote your district, you listen to your district. Nashville's awesome and glamorous. I don't like being here. I like being back in my district. So I come up here for those three days and I get out as quick as possible because um, your voters aren't here. You, know, you're, you can become think you're cool up here and back home they don't even know where you're at or what you're doing they think i'm in dc right now for the most part they have no idea but they know that when i'm in the community they're going to listen and i'm going to listen to them and i think that's the other key component that i've learned from david kustoff who's i think the best at this when you're with him you don't think anybody else he doesn't think anybody else in the world matters except you he is listening to you intently and you feel heard i think that's one thing that i've tried to do in my district is make sure my people feel heard when I'm with them. Um, I'm not to his level yet because he's got this crazy mind that he doesn't forget names and people and dates. And I can't do that yet. So I don't know what the secret is there. I'm going to work on that. I'm not good at names. I'm good at faces. But um, I think that's the other key, you know, just making sure that they know that they're heard, being accessible and visible to your district. You know, that's what it's all about. And if you can do that, I think you're, you can't really go wrong. Yeah, I completely agree. David is the absolute best at Lexi yeah, knows he's with him a lot. It is a weird trait that he's, but he's so brilliant, but he's genuine yeah. about it. You know? Oh yeah. Everybody that meets him for the first time, they're like, man, that guy was the most genuine person I've ever been around. Yeah. 
who he is. That's who I want to strive to be one day, somebody like him, that you know he cares about you as a person. It's not a political gain. He's not trying to get points. He just wants to know what you what you care about. And Yeah, yeah. him and I remember spend a lot details of, of stories that I told him that like three months later, he's like, remember when you said like this, this, this? And I'm like, yeah. I remember like the blanket story, but like, I don't remember any of those details. It's yeah. just, it's incredible. incredible. Yeah, he, I spent a lot of time with him in 2016 when I was the Republican nominee for the state house and for the first time, and he was running for his first term as the nominee. And like, he still just call, like check in, see how you're doing. And like, I spent a lot of time around a lot of elected officials and he is, you know, when you talk to him, he is intently listening to you. That's yeah, cool, man. Just a humble yeah. person. I think yeah, that's what we all in life. Not just politicians, but just be more humble and appreciative of others. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Um, so kind of before we wrap this up, how has your first few months been in session? Um, has there been a big learning curve, anything like that um, as you've kind yeah. of... So- for those that don't know, it does not come with a user manual. You show up day one, and they're like, here's your desk, here's your assistant. Uh, in two weeks, session starts. And you're like, what in the world? What are we doing? You don't know how to file bills. Don't know what those are. Um, but what's amazing up here, everybody is so helpful. You know, from people like the speaker that's been here 10 or 12 years, all the way down to literally the custodian guy is the coolest dude in this place. He's helped me more than anybody else. Um, Tyler is his name and he's the best dude. He can put you in contact with all the people. So, I mean, everybody up here is so helpful for us freshmen and we have the freshman title so we can use the, I didn't know that line for a little bit longer, which helps because that's kind of where we're at right now. My first bill I presented the other day, I didn't know what an amendment even was. I mean, they were like, you have an amendment on this bill. And I was like, that's not in my notes. It was an administrative bill and they forgot to put the amendment portion on my talking point. So I was like, I don't know what that amendment means, but Chairman Littleton was like, Chair Lady Littleton was like, how about you step off and then come back up in two more, two rounds. So then they came up and talked to me what the amendment actually meant or what an amendment would do. You know, so my first ever bill, I stood there in silence as they asked me about an amendment that I didn't know what that even meant. So, but they walked me through it and then I got back up there and passed the bill. So now we know, and I'm presenting that tonight on the house floor. So if you're bored at five o'clock, tune in for my hazing of my first ever bill on the floor. (laughs) Be good. So we talked earlier, there's a few other, there's not many, but there are a couple other under 40s in the Republican caucus. Have y'all connected, kind of gotten to know each other better since y'all are, oh, yeah. you know, I yeah. think it's three yeah. of y'all. Yeah, there's three of us, maybe four. Um, Jake and Kip out of um, Summertown area. I kind of resonated with those two early just because I kind of knew the background of where they were age-wise and such. So it helps having some younger people. But I still think that's we got to continue to push more folks that way. You know, that's what he and I, the three of us talk about a lot is we look around and it's a younger the house, especially is younger than the Senate side. But we got to continue to encourage people to get engaged earlier. We've got to have more people understanding the value of getting involved and then how important that is long term, because the future is now we've got to get people engaged. And you don't have to necessarily run for office, but you got to do something to give back to your community and help. And as a now on this side, as a legislator, we need help from local people to let us know what's going on more than ever. That might be the biggest thing that I've been disappointed in the first two months is how little people communicate locally on stuff. Like they just assume that you're going to do whatever is right, but then you'll vote a certain way and you'll, you'll probably get a thousand emails. Why'd you vote that way? Like, well, you know, you haven't told us what you're thinking. Like you've got to reach out to us. So that's what I want to encourage. Young people can do that. 
Yeah, that's, that's an area if you don't necessarily want to run for office, get out and see the vibe of what people are thinking and hearing and relay that back to us as well. That gives you an opportunity to be tied into the, the process. So. Well, I've got Absolutely. it. And it might be tonight. Your This might change after presenting on the house floor, but we've got to know the funny story of your first six going on seven weeks. at We've gotten uh, one, we've got one embarrassing story out of you, but the amendment thing's embarrassing. The other thing that's kind of embarrassing that I just found out the other day, which blew my mind, the elevators, I kept getting on the elevator. I'm the guy that gets on and looks on the left and right side every time I get on. Cause I couldn't figure out where the buttons were. And this girl was under the other day and she's like, why are, what are you doing? I was like, I never know which side the numbers are on. And she said, look at the red down there. So on the elevators in Cordell, there's a red paint on which side the elevator numbers are. My mind was blown. Now I get it every time. But I would get on there and I'd go to the left side and it'd always be on the right or vice versa. So next time you're Cordell Hall, look at the red on the elevator. Maybe that's well known. I didn't know that. When you get on the elevator, you can push the button immediately and you don't look awkward and goofy because everybody was laughing at me and I'm just like, I don't know where these are. And they're like, well, if you look at the red on the floor, you get it. So, <laughs> hey, always be willing to learn. That's one of my takeaways in life. So, absolutely. Let's see, do you have any other questions? I mean, other than no. just running the smoothest campaign of the 22 cycle, it was just phenomenal. Everything was done perfectly. Um, no, I'm kidding. No, it's, it was. <laughs> This has been fun. I'm so yes. glad to be able to do this with you. This is kind of my full circle moment. So, yeah, no, this is cool, man. Lexi and I really met last like February. <laughs> like she had to come to my house and video this random guy. And it was awkward because I didn't know her. She didn't know me. And I didn't know anything about a campaign or how to run a campaign. And this was like going to be her first full time to kind of help oversee it all. Like Chip and crew was like, hey, Lexi, you and Brady, y'all run this kid's stuff. Let's see what happens. Don't burn it to the ground. Driving from Nashville, and I was like, "This guy's expecting Chip, and he's getting me. It's not going to go over well." But that was the key. Chip gave Lexi and Brady the trust of, "Hey, don't make me step in to be the hero. Y'all run this campaign." And from start to finish, man, I thought it was phenomenal. I ran the whole time like we were losing. And that was my mindset from the beginning. I didn't want to know any polls. I didn't care. I was like, I want to pretend we're losing about 20 points and just outwork everybody. And it was easy because I had team members like Lexi and Brady who were working their tail off for me as well. And, you know, that that's part of that team in a campaign of this magnitude. You got to have a whole lot of great people around you. And um, they were definitely champions. So it's cool to see Lexi get her first kind of her own win. Maybe I'll forever be on her resume when she's like running for president one day. She'll hire me as like her security. What'd you call it? The body person? I want to be that. Body guy. Yeah. Body yeah. Guy. Lexi's body guy when she's the first president one day and like body slamming folks and pushing away all. <laughs> That's going to be my goal when she's, she's bigger and famous than all of us. I'm going to run that coattail, man. I don't, I don't know about that, but forever. If I'm ever cool enough to write a book, Brock Martin gets a whole chapter. <laughs> Brock gets a chapter and then Krista gets a chapter. And yeah, then Krista will get half the book. Yeah. But no, any, any final words, man? Um, I think finally when, when I went to Huntington in 11 or 2012, I met with mayor Dell Kelly. And one thing he told me that day was whatever you do, always look for more ways to serve your community. 
And, you know, as a young chiropractor, all I was thinking about in that mindset was building a business, making money. It's like, I can do that. I'll just keep giving back to the community. And then, you know, comes full circle this past August, he passes away like a legend in our community, the same time I'm running through all these campaigns. And to be the person that followed the next one past Dale Kelly to be elected as somebody from Huntington was such an honor to know that, you know, 10 years before he kind of planted that seed of just always look to serve. I never realized it would come to this point, but if I can tell anything to you young, young guys out there, keep looking for ways to serve. You know, it doesn't have to be political. It doesn't have to be um, any area that you think you can get dive in and go and our communities need help and we need young folks engaged. So always look for ways to serve and then always look for ways to continue to learn. I think that's another key component. That's why I'm here. I got out of my comfort zone and I'm learning every day. Thank you for listening to Candidate Conversations. I'm your host, Andy Cole. Follow Tennessee Young Republicans on social media and donate on our website, tnyoungrepublicans.com. Please join us again for the next episode of Candidate Conversations.